This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And it's a big Thursday, big, big Thursday edition of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. I hope you get what I mean when I say Big Thursday. Yes, I'm referring to the old time here in South Carolina when Big Thursday was a big deal. Big Thursday on Sports Talk. It's a big deal. We're glad to have you with us. Got a great show for you tonight. We look back at South Carolina's win last night at Texas A&M. You got to tip your cap to the Gamecocks. Another terrific win for them on the road. Think about this. little minor note that hit me last night driving back from Clemson. The Gamecocks have lost five games this season. They've only lost games in two states, three in South Carolina and two in Alabama. Everywhere else, they've been a winner. Can they keep that up? I don't see why not. They got a number of really good performances last night. Michi Johnson found his offensive game again. Zachary Davis was Well, the best he's been since he's been at South Carolina in his two seasons. He was really big last night. A lot of good things to talk about regarding the Gamecocks. We'll talk about it. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. For you to reach us here on Sports Talk, and we'll take your phone calls. Mike Morgan will be with us a little bit after 7 o'clock. More from Dabo Sweeney tonight from his press conference yesterday. Some comments about things happening in college athletics and how frustrated he is from one standpoint. We'll let you hear his thoughts on that uh, coming up. Also, we'll hear from Clemson safety R.J. Mickens and our interview with the Gamecocks' new tight end, Brady Hunt. So we got all that for you. And Chris Bergen joining us from the Bergy Palace in Sardis. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Bergie, Bergie, Bergie going once. Hey there. Hey. Couldn't hear you guys. Didn't know if I was connected. You are. That was on me, by the way, I guess. And you're all good. Yeah, Pat's here as well, by the way. Shake, shake off the rust. Looks shake like off the you rust. just came out of the woods. <laughs> Did you take down any deer before you came in here? I wish. That would have been far preferable to what I have been doing, but it's all, all part of a hard day's work. It was cold this morning, though, mm-hmm. guys. I was out working at about 7 a.m., and... I was expecting spring. It felt like winter again. And so, yeah, I am in a camo turtleneck right now that I have not worn in several years since the last time I did go deer hunting. (laughs) You know, as far as I'm concerned, to be quite honest with you, you know, there is no 7 a.m. Just like there is no February 29th uh, for three consecutive years before one comes back again. That's kind of how I look at 7 a.m. There is no 7 a.m. for me except once every three years. By that, I mean I'm not up at 7 a.m. If I can avoid it, is, it. It is remarkable in a, an illustrious radio career that you have had, Phil, for nearly, what, five decades that you've never worked morning radio. Oh, no, 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 no. Au contraire, Pierre. I spent 12 years as the morning um, 
oh, that's anchor right. for sportscast. Right. Yeah, man, Maybe I that's was where up. you 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 gained your disdain. For yeah, AM. I mean, you get up at four in the morning for twelve years. Um, yeah, it can. You learn to hate it. It can eat at you. Yes, yes, you do. And uh, <laughs> but you know what? It was also a fun time. Don't get me wrong. It was a good time to learn and grow and um, have the morning to yourself. A lot of things happen early in the morning that you are the first to know about before people uh, are up and getting around. Now, Phil, back in 2001, would you have been, March 2001, would you have been doing the morning show then with Kevin Cohen, or would that have been Teddy Hefner? No, 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 no. This was Sportscasts ah, on the it. old South Carolina radio network, where I was first hired in 1984. I was hired to do morning sportscasts. Got it. So my first internship back with Kevin Cohen at the time uh, when I was, gosh, I was a wee little lad. Mm. Uh, I was in middle school or early high school. It was either eighth or ninth grade, and uh, interned with him. Shout out, Kerry Tharp hooked me up with him. But I couldn't remember who was with Kevin if it was Teddy Hefner or you. So that must have been Teddy. Yeah, I didn't do uh, morning radio in terms of a show. Then the show was always an evening show, like it is now. So, but I did do the morning sportscast, which made for a long day because. Mm-hmm. I would work the morning. You know, most morning people, they work the morning. They put in their eight hours. They go home at one or two. Not this boy, because I was involved with the evening show in, in terms of preparing for it or preparing stuff for it or hosting it. So, I mean, I wouldn't leave until 6, 630. I'd come in at, uh, I'd hit the door about 5 a.m. I'd leave about 6 p.m. on a typical day. But I never watched the clock. I've never been a, a clock watcher. You can tell by how late I am at most things. Right, Chris? Indeed. Yeah. So I'm not a clock. I'm not a clock watcher, but I have instincts to know when I'm supposed to be somewhere and when I'm supposed to be off of certain things. So it is ingrained. There's no doubt. Well, yeah. since this is a night of trying to top each other's stories, I yeah. can top both of you guys. When I was working in Clinton, I was doing morning radio there, and it's when I first started working with Coastal. I was doing women's basketball for Coastal, and I would drive down for the midweek game for Coastal in Conway, have to be back for the you know, 6 a.m. wake-up call for the uh, morning show up at WPCC in Clinton. Mm. So uh, there's a rest stop right around Camden that was a godsend. Yeah. It wasn't always there on I-20. It has recently been built in the last 20, 25 years. And so I would pull in there, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night on my way home, take a quick nap, and then finish the drive back to Clinton so I could get up the next morning and do morning radio. So I, I get your disdain for early mornings because I don't enjoy it either, and I'm glad I don't have to anymore. But I, I do get up before noon. I remember I you making that. those trips, though, to do coastal women's basketball back in the day. It was fun times. Yeah, I didn't mind the games. It was just the three-hour trip one way that wasn't a lot of fun well let's talk about south carolina and their win last night before we get into other things oh by the way uh i guess topping the news the official announcement today that mike furry is going to be south carolina's new wide receiver coach they are hiring him from limestone where he was the head coach you know all about him i'll just say great recovery by shane beamer in losing james coley and hiring mike furry great recovery uh you know don't don't discount him because he's been coaching at limestone that's got nothing to do with the coach right <coughs> excuse me excellent coach a terrific uh wide receiver in the nfl who made a career as a free agent and then made himself into a very good nfl receiver had 98 catches remember in one season for the lions he led the nfc with 98 catches and you know he's a self-made football player he was a a walk-on at Ohio State, played on the 97 
Rose Bowl championship team for Ohio State, and then transferred to Northern Iowa, where he was a three-time All-American. He's in their Hall of Fame, and then became a free agent signee with the uh, in the NFL. You know, with the Rams, with the Commanders, uh, with the Lions. Um, so had a had a distinguished career as a receiver. Eight years in the NFL. So, and he still considers himself a very good athlete. And he will be, I'm sure he was at South Carolina today. We have a press conference with him tomorrow morning. And I'm sure he was in the weight room today with the players because we've had a chance to interview him in person four times over his years at Limestone, his first stint of two years, his second stint of two years. And we'd always do our our uh, pigskin tour stop there in, in Gaffney and mm-hmm. visit with him. And, I mean, one of his things is if my players are going to be in the weight room working and building up and being uh, physical and, and being physically fit, so am I. Uh, so when you meet this guy for the first time, you're going to go, wow, I mean, he's a stud. There's no question about it. And so he'll bring to South Carolina uh, a great NFL background, and um, he'll bring to South Carolina – uh, leadership qualities that you have to have as a head coach and a successful head coach at that. So this is a home run hire, I think, for uh, Beamer. I thought Coley was a home run hire. Couldn't foresee mm-hmm. what was going to happen there. And I think he's got another one here with um, Mike Furry. Sort of has the James Coley uh, contract uh, stipulation too, doesn't he? If he leaves within the next two weeks. It's a pretty substantial <laughs> buyout. I thought that was interesting that USC put in his contract. But, Phil, I think you're right. The guy has, has the resume, and I think he sort of fits the mold of assistant coaches that Shane Beamer wants to bring in with NFL experience. And you look at the guy, and he is a go-getter. He reminds me a lot of a maybe a little bit younger version of Sean Elliott because of the uh, the fire that he's going to bring to the sidelines. I'd, I'd be curious to watch those two guys in the locker room and certainly around the uh, weight room, which of those two guys mm. is going to get more fired up before a ball game. I guess it would probably be Elliott's job because you don't want to get overly fired up if you're a wide receivers coach. But considering what he was able to do as his professional career and what he's been able to build at Limestone, I agree with you. I think it's a, a dynamite hire considering where Shane Beamer was just a week ago, uh, left in the dark once again by an assistant leaving after just signing a contract with them. So I think he's recovered nicely with, with Coley. And, and Limestone did as well. Let's not forget that. They announced today, actually before the news broke, that Coach Furry, uh, Furry was coming down to Columbia. Limestone announced that uh, former NFL wide receiver Jericho Cotteri is going to be their new head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think they've found a good one as well. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. But you have to uh, really admire what Furry did there at Limestone, especially this mm-hmm. second stint, back-to-back a Division Two uh, playoff appearances. That's quite an achievement for a very young program that just recently, I think it was just last year, got an on-campus small stadium to play in. They, had, you know, previously they were playing at Gaffney High School, so right. they took an old practice field with artificial surface and converted it into a, a home stadium for them. They're very proud of that. They're very proud of the steps that they've made in a short time with their football program. So more from him tomorrow here on Sports Talk from the press conference. Meantime, Gamecock basketball last night. Your thoughts about them getting another SEC road win against a competent team? This Texas A&M team, though struggling right now, dangerous team, a team that uh, has a knack for beating you up on their offensive glass, 
But South Carolina held their own in that category. It was a back-and-forth game. Gamecocks uh, led most of the way. Uh, A&M put together a 17-to-1 run to take the lead. Gamecocks got off the got off the canvas, took a, put a run together, retook the lead. It was tight down the stretch. And then un, just beautiful execution on a, on, a, on a play without a timeout after A&M had scored. Um, and South Carolina just inbounded the ball with about nine seconds to go. Got it to Michi Johnson. He takes it down the court, down the left side. They uh, move over to cover him. Davis is left open. Beautiful pass, layup. Gamecocks go up, and then A and M. You know they can't. They call the timeout, but then their inbounds play. Um, Wade Taylor stumbled after getting the basketball. Stumbled going across half court. Never got a shot off. Gamecocks win. So, what can you say? Just another terrific win on the road. And the Gamecocks are looking to be in great shape as far as the SEC tournament goes. Right now, they're in third place by themselves. You want to finish in the top four. You gotta like where they are right now. Oh, you can't be anything but excited about that win last night. I think the way they won that ball game, a little bit different than the old miss contest, which they controlled pretty much from the get go in Oxford a couple of nights ago. But for them to have the big double digit lead and blow it and then come back and win it at the end, I think shows a lot of fortitude and I think they've learned a lot from that LSU ball game, and I think it's helped them the past two contests. But you're right, Phil. The reason they won that contest, they took care of the defensive backboards. Texas A&M is ridiculously good on the offensive glass. They lead the country in offensive rebounds, and I think I heard – I was listening to a little bit of it on the way home, and I think Derek Scott brought up the point that Texas A&M collects about 42% of its misses which is by far and away the best in the country. And to hold them to just uh, 12 re- uh, excuse me, 11 offensive rebounds, and South Carolina actually got more offensive rebounds than they did, mm. finished uh, two rebounds shy. But I think that's where they won the ballgame. You weren't expecting Texas A&M to make a whole lot of shots from the outside, but anytime you hold a team to 2 of 17 from three-point range, it's, it's a, a tip of the cap to you defensively, and that's what the Gamecocks do. And every time they play good defense, also look at that assist number. 22 assists on 28 field goals. Again, as I've talked about all season long, they're such an unselfish team, and they do it well on the defensive end. But all of that said, the thing I was most excited about last night was Ibrahim Adiba got to play for the Gamecocks and actually contribute. Played uh, six minutes, got in, scored a bucket. The uh, transfer from Coastal has battled a lot of injuries through his career. I was tickled that Ibo got a chance to play last night. I think the Gamecock fans maybe got just a glimmer as to what he might be able to bring to them off the bench the remainder of the season. Well, that's very good for South Carolina. I mean, that's another piece of depth for mm-hmm. you right there. At the very Especially least. in the backcourt. Yeah, but at the very least, he's a guy that can, um, if he's able to move, and I guess they wouldn't put him out there if his Achilles and his foot weren't all ready to go. Um, that's another guy that can, can guard on the perimeter with great length. At, at the very least, he gives you five more fouls out there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's very big for South Carolina here heading down the stretch. So good win for the Gamecocks last night. We'll hear from the Mont Paris coming up in a few minutes. And Monster game on Saturday, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, just yeah. a gigantic game with Florida because you could get two games clear of Florida, one of the teams that might be chasing you to get inside the top four. You beat them on Saturday. You almost lock in one of the uh, double buy spots in the SEC tournament. I mean, it's a gigantic game for them at home on Saturday. Which would be huge to have that double buy. Mm-hmm. something that uh, uh, they, they've they had before, but they don't get regularly. You know, that's usually reserved for your Tennessees, your Kentuckys. Um, who else? Don't, uh, Florida usually is up in that category. Yeah. So this would be, be nice for South Carolina to crash 
that party. And, of course, Clemson is trying to do the same thing in the ACC, and they're in a good spot to be able to do that with some, some wins here down the stretch. Okay, and, of course, we've got the, uh, the baseball series, the base brawl for 2024 coming up this weekend, weather permitting. A lot of concern about tomorrow with the weather. Uh, it lightens up on Saturday and on Sunday. Sunday looks almost a definite go. I'd say Saturday looks pretty good. Tomorrow is big iffy. And Mark Kingston said today um, in meeting with the media, of course, we had him on last night, but he said that uh, nah, no, no thought of a doubleheader situation if they get rained out uh, tomorrow night. They'll figure something out if they have to after uh, after tomorrow night, if they have to work that game back in at some other time. But um, hopefully can we can move this thing through. Hopefully they can move this thing through without interruption. Yeah, and I'm curious now with the way the current setup is with the three games in three different sites over three days, I wonder if they could even do a doubleheader. And if so, where would you do that doubleheader? I doubt Clemson would want to play two games at Founders Park. Bad enough from Clemson's perspective, they've got two games in Columbia. I'm certainly sure they wouldn't want to play two games at Carolina's Field. So would you play a morning game at Founders Park, then bus everybody over to Segura Park to play the afternoon game on Saturday? I don't think anybody they, wants to see that happen. If they didn't have a home basketball game that's going to probably sell out 18,000, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then and split your fan base, your fan base's attention, if, they, if the team was out of town, let's say, I could see them right. – I could see them playing a, um, you know, shifting some things around. Maybe playing a uh, weather permitting, a twelve o'clock, one o'clock game at Founders Park, and then moving the start time over at Segra to say six or so, six or seven, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and playing a doubleheader. I, I could see that, but Kingston said today he does not believe a doubleheader is in the mix if it comes to that. So not something they're talking about doing at this time. They just they're hoping they can get it in tomorrow and, and stay on schedule. Okay, uh, phone number, 888-898-2525. College baseball this afternoon. College of Charleston loses for the first time this season. They fall to Nebraska at home 6-5 to five in the first of a four-game series with the Cornhuskers. Cornhuskers scored uh, four runs in the ninth to force extras, and then they scored the winning run in the tenth to win it 6-5 to five over the College of Charleston. They've been off to a very good start, their best start under Chad Holbrook. And still, it's a single loss, and uh, they'll look to bounce back beginning uh, tomorrow as they continue. And if I'm not the mistaken, series. I think they're playing an, a second game right now. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's a doubleheader. Okay, down there today. Okay, you know who's been playing great for the college? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I misread that. I was looking. At, I thought I saw a score. I think it was a late update on game one. So my apologies. That's okay. Yeah, they can play a four game series Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, former Gamecock Kevin Madden playing third base for them, hitting four eighty four. One of the main reasons that they're off to such a great start. So he, the transfer for him to get a chance to play because he had lost his playing time in Columbia uh, to uh, Talmadge Lecroy at third base. And right. he's picked it up down there at Charleston. Things are going very well for him. Okay, our phone number is 888 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you right here on Sports Talk. Let's take some phone calls. Mike Morgan will join us at uh, 7.05 to get his thoughts on things happening in college basketball and also the big base brawl series coming up this weekend. We go to Gamecock Larry. First up tonight, we can always count on Gamecock Larry to bat leadoff with us here. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you tonight? I just want you all to let me let you, let you know what I'm going to tell you right now. 
Monday morning, Monday afternoon, when I call, we're going to be about 12 and 13 and 0. We're going to sweep everything this week. Last night, we went up there to Texas A&M. We just played around with them guys. We got built out a lead. And then we just let them come on back, come on back, because we know we was going to win. And the ladies going to go to Arkansas. They're going to take care of business. And old game guy, Larry, go, boy, I've been feeling good. I got up this morning at quarter after two. Mm. Fifteen minutes after two. Wait a minute. Fifteen minutes yeah. after two o'clock in the afternoon? This morning. I got up this, yeah, this morning. Wait, you got up 15, at 15 after 2 this morning in the a.m.? This morning. Been up all Why'd day. Why'd you get up so early? All, well, I'm going I'm to make sure I get all this stuff going so I can tell you, because I can talk about it. Well, I can talk about it when I call you guys. But, that, boy, I'm telling you, I got to watch a couple of them put basketball games this morning and all that. I'm and think about what I said last night. I think I made some kind of thing that I was going to take you out to dinner. Mm. Well, let me tell you something. Something told me don't worry about that. I got the coupons. I got the money ready. But you ain't going to win. The game cost going to sweep the Tigers. And, oh, yeah, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Bond. I ain't heard from you lately, sir. Come, buddy. Uh, I just want to cut the food, but I feel good like old Gamecock should. Go Gamecocks, love all y'all. All right. Thank you, Tiger <laughs> Brian. We appreciate that, Tiger Brian. Uh, not Tiger Brian, Gamecock, uh, Gamecock Larry. Larry. Yeah, Gamecock Larry feeling pretty good about himself and uh, calling out Tiger Brian, wanting to hear from him. A little challenge here going into the big uh, rivalry weekend with the baseball series. I, I get excited about this baseball series. I put it right up there. Um, I don't know. I kind of put it right behind the football game, to be honest with you, in terms of the intensity between the fans. The basketball game, you know, because when it's played um, and because the way the teams have been over the years, sort of a hit and miss thing. It's kind of here and gone. Mm -hmm. The baseball series is something you get a chance to talk about for several days, and they've been so good. It's usually a matchup of nationally ranked teams, which we have this year. Two teams that have a a chance to go a long way and go to Omaha, which we have this year. And all three locations will be jam-packed depending on the weather and the big party on Saturday leading up to it over at Segra Park, depending on the weather. Yeah, I put this right there, number two, behind the football game. I think you have to. Uh, as a basketball fan, that's unfortunate. But real, realizing where things stand in our state and how good the programs have been, and traditionally you're talking about uh, combined two national championships and a lot of SEC and ACC titles over the years, it's hard to hard to argue that this is not the second most important sports series, if you will, in, in our state. And the only thing I, I dislike about it, three weeks into the season, do you have a good feel as to who's the better team right now? Because I sure don't. Well, we talked about it last night. I gave South Carolina the edge in the series. Um, you look at the two teams, uh, they're, they're, they're even in some ways. Clemson has the better overall batting average going right now. Mm-hmm. South Carolina has the better overall ERA going right now. Clemson has hit for more power in terms of home runs than South Carolina has at this point. But South Carolina's pitching has been overall uh, better than what the Tigers have had to this point. I I think South Carolina's starting rotation, and again, you know, 
I'm a little more familiar with the Gamecocks right now because I've seen them more than I've seen Clemson catching the Gamecocks a little bit here and there in person. I think that their starting rotation of Jones, SQ, and Kimball might be uh, stronger than Clemson's of Barlow, Smith, and Canuck. Um, the numbers kind of say so. Now, the Tigers, ordinarily, if he were healthy, would have Austin Gordon starting and ahead of one of the others. Maybe Canuck, maybe Barlow. Smith would certainly be a starter. He started against the Gamecocks last year. Gordon started against the Gamecocks last year, and he's working his way back. He'll be a weekend mm-hmm. guy as he works his way back. He's just not there yet. And also, Clemson's going to be without their starting catcher who's out after taking one to the to the jaw. Uh, we know that. Um, and South Carolina's healthy. So I give the little bit of an edge here to the Gamecocks. And they won it last year two games to one after losing the first one. They had that close game at the neutral site, and then the Gamecocks won easily at home. And we'll be back after this break. Back we are, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Good to have everybody with us, whether you're listening to us over the air, you're listening to us over one of our streams. We appreciate you very much, as always. And the phone number is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you right here on Sports Talk. Here's another lucky number for you to know, and that's 843 237 4247 4246. That won't get you on the show, but it'll get you to Jimmy Smith at Pauly's Vacation Rentals.com. Get ready for spring and summer vacations or getaways and let Jimmy put you up in a great place. Let Jimmy and his staff help you buy some property at the beach should you be interested in doing that. All you got to do is give them a call at 843 237 4246. Check them out online at Pauly's vacationrentals.com your perfect beach getaway is just a phone call away or a click away so don't hesitate get it done today okay 888-898-2525 is our number uh comments from usc basketball coach lamont paris coming up any question now that he will be the sec no. coach of the year <laughs> i knew where you were going with that no uh, he won that a couple of weeks ago, but he certainly cemented that. There, I mean, he's knocked off the guys. Uh, Chris Beard probably would have been in consideration. Now, Florida's coach, you know, he might be in the mix as well, but nobody has done a better job this season just based off what everybody thought USC was going to be at the beginning of the year. And I, I shouldn't say everybody because I don't think any of us here thought they were going to finish last. None of us could have foreseen they would finish in the top four. But no one has done a better job coaching his team up and turning around from 11 wins last year. Heck, they may finish with 26-27. Who knows before this season is done. So, yeah, he is the easy choice for SEC Coach of the Year. And I'm wondering where he sits in terms of National Coach of the Year as well. Yeah, well, he'll get some – I would think he'll get some attention along those lines. Uh, Usually the guy that gets to the Final Four gets his team to the National Championship. They seem to scoop up most of those votes, but he's just he's just done a great job, and Brad Brownell has got to be considered as mm-hmm. a strong candidate in the ACC at this point, I would say. 
All right, to the uh, phones we go once again, 888-898-2525. Andy, here in Columbia, welcome in, sir. It's good to have you with us. Good evening, fellas. I'm going to repeat myself of what I said on there, Chris, of what I said a few weeks ago. This basketball team plays much better without Studi in the lineup. Much better. Much better defensively. Much better ball movement. I don't think that if you would have had Studi in the lineup instead of Zachary Taylor last night. Davis. I'm sorry, Zachary Davis. I don't think that that layup would have been made because he wouldn't have been there. He would have been out sitting on the three-point line. Hmm. I just think that there's such better ball movement. There's such better offensive rebounding. Davis is such a much more energy-type player than Studi is. That's just my opinion and what I've seen. And also, if you look at that LSU game, who didn't, who didn't, make that, who didn't commit that foul that Coach Paris was yelling for that, caught, that pretty much caused the game? Studi. He was the one guarding that guy. His head, I just, I just think that he's, I just think he's not. I think he's a good player, but I think this team's much better without him in the mix. I think Studi brings a lot. Um, Older player, he has smarts, and when he's on his game, he's a really good outside shooter. There's a place for him. Maybe not in the starting lineup now. Maybe you bring him, bring him in off the bench when he's healthy to be the outside shooter, along with Michi Johnson, give you that outside shot. B.J. Mack wasn't knocking him down last night, but can also hit the outside shot. He gives you another weapon out there, so I wouldn't throw him away. I'd find a way to keep him uh, in a rotation where he's getting 20, 25 minutes. He can still help you uh, in a number of different ways. Their bench has certainly gotten deeper with the development of Ugasuk and now the uh, ability to play Deba some um, – so well, it's Ugasak a it's a deeper team than they were a couple of weeks ago. Say again? Ugasak, I don't think he even played last night, did it? Did no, he, he played five minutes. He played five he minutes. Did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean you play him in but, spots. Um, he's a guy that you play in spots. He has a role here, role there. But again, he's a guy that can give you some length, he can give you some defense, he can give you some fouls out there. Yeah, I like him. I like his game. He needs to put on a little bit more weight and hopefully we'll see that this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, another another thing regarding the football situation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. Now, whose dog is that? If it's, it's Finn, it's not Finn. No, then it's not shoot Finn. the dog. It's mine. It's mine. Um, regarding the football situation. Yeah. If Sean Elliott was really wanting to come here to start with his tight end coach, figured that when right left, he probably expressed that he wanted to come here. Right. It didn't come after um, step left. It was probably before that he probably said that he would like to be here. Correct? Why didn't he make that move then, kept Justin Step, and we wouldn't have had this cluster known as Cooley or whatever coming through here? Coley. Coley. Don't you think that would have been a better move altogether for this program? I mean, I'm sure this guy from Limestone is going to be a good coach, but Justin Step. I thought was a pretty pretty good developer of the wide receivers that he had and what he's done. And we all know the reason he left. He didn't want to be a tight ends coach. So why not have brought in Sean Elliott and taken care of that situation to start with? 
You know, that's a very good question. Maybe it just didn't occur to anybody at that particular point in time when Jody Wright up and left. It created the opening at tight end. I mean, Sean Elliott was not a tight ends coach per se. He was, besides being a head coach, he was mostly known for being an offensive line coach, though he does have tight end coaching in his background. Maybe it just hadn't come to that point yet, even with Sean Elliott, that he was ready to make the move and come back home and give up a head coaching job. But when the situation occurred after Coley was hired and Steph was moved over and Steph wasn't comfortable with being a tight end, apparently, and then he up and left, I mean, it might have just been a timing thing. I can't answer it any other way. I'm not privy. But it just might have been just a timing thing that at that time it occurred to the two of them, either one contacted the other to get the ball rolling, and it just it just worked out that way. We, I can't answer yeah. why Sean Elliott, when Jody Wright left, why Sean Elliott didn't pick up the phone and call Beamer and say, hey, man, I'd love to be your tight ends coach. You know, Maybe well, it just wasn't kind of something what, he was thinking about. I thought that's kind of what the situation was when listening to him at this conference was that when the tight end position came open that um, he made the phone call. And to me, if you're going to make the phone call, you probably made it immediately when it first came open from the start. And he's been wanting to get back to Columbia. Again, let me say this. Let me say this. You know, when did Jody Wright leave? Right at – he left – what was the date? Was it in – was it – Mid-January? I have to go back and look that up. You know, you're a head coach. At that time, he's in the midst of recruiting, getting his class together for the signing day in February. Uh, he's he's trying to hold on to players. He's he's trying to look at the portal himself. He's busy, you know. Now this yeah, other but he also left at spring training though too. So I mean, you sit there and say that you know what's the difference between leaving then or leaving when you're in the middle of yeah. start of spring. I mean, I'm training. just throwing suppositions out there. I don't know. I, I can't tell you wh- how why it came down the way it did. It just it just did. Does it really matter when he made the phone call? When they connected? All that matters is that they did. Well, to me, it makes the matter because you could have kept Justin Step here. And I just think losing him wasn't a good look for us and for them to move him around nah, I and think, to have him leave so quickly. I and think. Obviously, to me, if the guy leaves in less than 10 days from, you know, Step, it was about 10 days, right, from when he made the move. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't want to move. And I'm sure that he didn't sit there and just tell Shane Beamer, oh, yeah, I'll take them position i have no problem with it there had to be some discussion that he wasn't as thrilled to become that coach tight ends coach just just my opinion but you know if you're sitting there in the room with the coach and he's telling you oh we're thinking about moving to tight end coach i mean he obviously wasn't happy about that situation i agree just that's opinion. why he that's why he made the move to Illinois, so he yeah. can go back to coaching wide receivers. He views himself as that. I don't know if that was a smart move or not by step because he's still a young up and coming coach. And Andy, thanks for the phone call. He's still a young up and coming coach, and you get as much experience as you can, Chris. If you want to become a head coach mm-hmm. one day, it wouldn't have hurt him to coach tight ends at South Carolina, continue to recruit here, continue to keep his family here, which is what he wanted to do. It does look like uh, he kind of uh, stomped off on his own, uh, you know, unhappy with the uh, – somebody uh, Somebody wrote it was a demotion. It's not a demotion. 
He wasn't demoted. He didn't lose any money. He didn't have anything happen in his contract. He was just shifted to tight end. I don't know how you consider a move from wide receiver to tight ends a demotion. That's not a demotion. Tight ends are every bit as important in South Carolina's offense as their wide receivers, especially with a head coach like Beamer who believes so much in using the tight ends. So it wasn't a demotion in any means. He didn't lose a coordinator's job, you know. That would have been right. a demotion. You're, if you're a coordinator and then you're moved to a position and lose the coordinator's title, then that is a demotion. This was not a demotion. This was a sideways move, but he did not want to coach tight ends for whatever reason, and he took the first opportunity or one of the first opportunities that came his way to be able to continue coaching wide receivers. And you, you just, as a young coach, I'm just saying, would it not have been valuable for him to have that on his resume as well showing that he coached tight ends, he coached wide receivers uh, at the SEC level. Might have been beneficial to him. And I'll tell you, that. Uh, sorry, Chris, real quick, I can't help but wonder with the offensive struggles that the Gamecocks have had the last couple of years, if that might have almost been a promotion instead of a demotion. Hmm. Because I would see that almost, and I don't mean that as a slight against the Gamecocks, I mean that almost as Coach Beamer looking at a coach that he has, that he can trust to get the best out of his guys, and if you have a need for that more at the tight end position, because you need to not only be able to teach them to go out and catch the ball like a receiver, but also to block, to pass block, run block. You need them as that sixth offensive lineman. I say that almost might be a promotion and a, and a, a sign of the trust that Coach Beamer had for Coach Stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and if that is indeed the case, Pat, I'm not saying it's it's not, you would have thought that Beamer would have taught it. This always seemed to bother me a little bit, it, at least looking at it from the outside and the optics of this whole scenario, followed up by the fact that Justin Stepp took off. It's almost as if Shane Beamer never once considered to talk to Justin Stepp about what he was planning to do with James Coley. And then when the hiring was made, he said, oh, by the way, you're coaching tight ends now. And it may have been a situation as much as anything that his feelings got hurt. Ah. that he wasn't brought up on a discussion. I, again, I have no idea, no insight, as you pointed out, Phil. We're not privy to those discussions. But that's what it looked like to me. It was a situation where Shane Beamer never talked to uh, Justin Stepp because had he told him about this and they communicated about it, you wouldn't think Justin would leave. So it, it just the whole situation looked weird mm. from the outset here. And, and I agree with you. I think yeah, from a resume perspective, having cross-trained at other positions, I think always would be helpful unless all you want to do. Maybe that's only only position that Justin Stepp wants to coach his entire career. He just wants to stay as a wide receiver's coach. But it just to me, it was almost that Phil's bringing in some hot shots uh, radio talk show host and doesn't bother to consider Matt uh, Smith, you know, Smitty, Pat, myself, he just brings him in and said, oh, by the way, he's going to be the co-host moving forward. Okay, well, I oh, appreciate I, you letting I, us know. I Phil. think I've seen that happen before. <laughs> I think I've seen that. Not with, I mean, not by me, but... With us? Oh. No, no, not with y'all, but I've, I've, I've seen that happen before. I mean, you know... No, but a good the, boss wouldn't do that, is, is, well, at least in, in my opinion. A good boss would not. To. A good no, certainly a good boss would not. But bosses being bosses, kind of feel like they can do what they want, and make any kind of move involving their personnel, the people that work mm-hmm. under them, without consulting them, even right. though they might work, you know, two thousand miles away or fifteen hundred miles away, and don't sure. really have a clue about what's going on. But because they have the title boss and they have the authority to do it, they do it. You know what I mean? I would never do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I would never do that. I'm telling you, 
I have I have experienced that. And over and the Coach years. Beamer may not Shane Beamer may not have done that. They may have had several conversations, and Justin Stepp told him at the time, "Hey, look, I'm okay with this. Let's let's bring him in." And then maybe something changed once James Coley came in, and Justin realized, you know, this is not what I want to do. So I'm going to go pursue other opportunities elsewhere. And if that's the case, it's fine. But it just looked like to me that as quickly as Justin Stepp left as if he was never consulted on this and just got his feelings hurt a little bit and was upset and decided, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, could be. All right, got to hit the break on Sports Talk. We'll come back in just a moment. Comments from USC basketball coach Lamont Paris about the Gamecocks' win last night at Texas A&M, and now they come home for two huge games, Florida on Saturday and Tennessee on Wednesday. Should be two packed houses for the men's basketball team to wrap up the home slate. Lamont Paris coming up after the break. Last throw, big guy. Come on, baby. I need me a giant bear. I got this. I'm the target. Then throw. Oh, wow. Look who won a giant bear. (laughs) That's a grizzly. Oh, mama's baby bear. When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Yeah, he's had all his shots. Just don't look him in the eye. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Calling all turkey hunters, this is Major Billy Downer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Turkey season is coming soon. The most common accident while turkey hunting is failing to identify your target. Know the identifying features of a turkey. Make sure of your target and what lies beyond it before you pull the trigger. Remember, safe hunting is no accident. For more information on hunter education, visit dnr.sc.gov. All right, South Carolina went on the road last night, picked up a very nice win at Texas A&M. Gamecocks coming away with a last-second 70-68 to victory over the Aggies, surviving a strong run by Texas A&M, came back with their own run, and then built a lead, lost a lead, and then scored at the very end and come away with a very nice win on the road to the Gamecocks. Here's Lamont Paris. What a great effort by 
by both teams. I mean, they had a long run. We had a run that wasn't quite as long as theirs, but, um, you know, it was blow for blow. Um, and then it came right down to the to the very end and <clears throat> just was a great game. Thought it was a great game, just a battle. Um, you know, March is upon us. So you're going to get a lot of games where this is the atmosphere. This is the environment. This is the level of determination that teams are going to exhibit. And I thought, above all else, both teams had an, uh, an incredible uh, level of determination um, in, in an attempt to win a game. So really proud of our guys for doing enough things to come out on top, handled some adversity, missed some free throws, got in foul trouble, a lot of different things. But, uh, but they did, we did what we needed to do when it came time to make a couple plays. So hats off to, to our guys for that, but obviously hats off to their team too for how they played. What did you think about the play by um, Davis there after they had uh, tied the game late? I liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was nine seconds or so on the clock, um, and I just – we had good pace as we brought the ball up the floor. Um, we had the ball in the hands of a good decision maker, um, and, and he had played well today too. So, anyway, uh, we, we had such good pace, I just was going to let it play out, you know. I was going to let it play out. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes if we get in that scenario and it doesn't look like we know what we're doing um, – Maybe I'll call a timeout. But their defender was on his heels to some degree. Um, we had really good pace in that particular play. And then so I thought our ability to attack, maybe get free to the free throw line was a, was a good opportunity. And Michi uh, saw something late. Zach broke late, and, uh, and, and he gave it to him right at the rim. So it was a great, great individual, tremendous individual play. But, but just as good as his pass was Zach's um, just the wherewithal to be right there at the basket. Uh, in order to finish it. What were you telling your guys uh, for that very last play yeah. uh, in guarding, and, and how much did it help you out that they had to kind of go to plan B? Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to keep the ball in front of us, if so. I, I mean, I wanted them to catch it as close to uh, in the, as far in the backcourt as they could. Um, but I wanted to keep the ball in front of us and nothing over the top of our head. But... Uh, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe the play that they ran would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. You know, I don't know. I don't think it's worth second-guessing that. You know, it wasn't like we called timeout afterwards and made an adjustment based on their alignment or I subbed two guys in based on what their alignment was. And, you know, he's got a bunch of different things. He's got a bunch of different things, as you know. Um, so he went to he went to his plan B. Um, and uh, and we were fortunate just to, just to, you know, ball got fumbled a little bit and, and we came out on top. You mentioned March. How much do you think winning a game like this will help your team as you go into the conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's a tremendous help. Um, this whole, but this whole, this whole season has been a pretty steady march for our guys. If you really honestly think about it, I know according to most, the the, the wheels fell off uh, in the two game loss streak that we had. Right, that was the only, that's the only time all season that we've lost two games in a row. Um, so I think this whole season has been a pretty steady, uh, uh, I don't know, like a preparation for us um, 
and we've achieved and we've we've been resilient. We've had a bunch of close games. Um, this is another one, obviously. Um, but it's nice coming down the stretch. We got a couple home games. It, gets, it seems like every game gets tougher and tougher as we move forward and there's more on the line each time and you start really looking at a conference race and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, we try to just, though, we just try to focus on what's the next thing in front of us. It's been our thing. It's, we don't say that for any sort of lip service. Um, I think we're best served to do it that way. And the results have borne out that way. And so we'll continue to try to do it that way. You know, at, at one point, if we do enough, maybe we'll look up and say, hey, guys, you win one more game and you're in a tie for first place in the league. I don't know if it'll turn out that way or not. But at that point, we'd have that conversation. Right now, we got a team that's playing extremely well coming into our place. And, you know, we get back late tonight or early tomorrow, I should say. And we got to try to, you know, formulate uh, and tweak our game plan to try to, to try to beat them. All right, Lamont Paris, some of what he had to say last night. All of it's on our website, sportstalksc.com. Florida coming in with a two-game winning streak, as does South Carolina. Florida 10-5 and in the league. The Gamecocks are 11-4. and Tennessee, Alabama 12-3. and So, hey, Gamecocks are still within reach of getting to the top in the regular season and mm-hmm. clinching that number one seed. Got some work to do. Of course, they do get to play Tennessee. Nothing they can do about Alabama. They would need Alabama to lose twice since Alabama has the tiebreaker. In terms of the seeding, they could share the championship, but sure. they would need some help there. But they can take care of Tennessee, and they can take care of Florida. That's within their grasp. And another similar game plan against a team that is ferocious on the offensive glass. They saw the best offensive rebounding team of the country last night. They'll see the second best offensive rebounding team of the country on Saturday. So, Gamecocks are going to have to strap it on on the defensive boards once again. All right, going to hit the break. Mike Morgan will add more to that, and we'll also dive more into the base brawl series coming up. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, so happy you're with us. Those of you just joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you with us across the state on this big Thursday night. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in the capital city, and uh, Chris Bergen from the capital city of the PD, Sardis. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. More calls to come. Got a lot of notes that we'll hit up as well. More football stuff coming your way, too, so stay tuned for all of that. Plus these comments from Dabo Sweeney we're going to get to a little bit later on. But right now... On this Thursday night edition of Sports Talk, time once again for Mike Morgan and Morgan on the Move. Brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson, who for 35 years has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood, auto, home, life insurance, business insurance. They can all be handled by Gary, who spends countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go check out GaryPatterson.net today. And Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family. That's GaryPatterson.net. 
Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. All right, Mike Morgan joining us here once again on the Sports Talk. Good evening, Mike. Great to have you with us. A lot of big stories. The one that caught my eye today, though, this one just blew me away. I'm a little surprised that the SEC Network didn't drip this information out uh, one day at a time over a, a four-day period. But the SEC released the schedules of the coaches who will be attending SEC Media Days in Dallas. And I'm wondering if you can tell us why Sam Pittman was put to uh, Thursday. Why well, we have to wait till Thursday to hear from the Arkansas coach? Your thoughts on that? <laughs> you, you save the best guy you'd want to have a beer with for less. <laughs> and that's Sam. That's Sam. So, you know, I no offense to, I guess, Shane's going on day one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Sam might be the best six-pack coach out there. The question will be, will he last six games? <laughs> with a, a an Arkansas team that's going to have uh, low expectations, uh, a fan base that wanted a coaching change at the end of last year, and an offensive coordinator who is looking over his shoulder mm. in Bobby Petrino. Oh, yeah, sharpening the knives. Um, I just brought brought that up as, of course, a, a ha-ha. But now that you mention it, it's amazing how – I'm not saying a fall from grace, but, man, they couldn't have loved him enough at the start of his time there at Arkansas. And, and you're right now. They are, they're very uneasy about things with him right now. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it, I, I don't know if it's, if it's fair or not. I can't remember the last time Arkansas had a dominating defense. And, and yet, you know, we, we just con- uh, continually watch them cycle through coaches uh and and some of the issues just remain the same the common denominator denominator is they they rarely have a dominating defense now that was even amplified when they played in the toughest division in all of college football which was the sec west i think they're happier than anybody that there's no longer divisions because that means they don't have to play every year alabama lsu auburn a&m uh, Ole Miss, you know, now that, that schedule might actually look a little bit lighter, and, and that'll be certainly to, to Arkansas's benefit. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very – I was just there for a basketball game a couple weeks ago, and, you know, whenever I'm in these towns, the, the conversation of football inevitably comes up, and someone who uh, covers that team very closely told me he, he thought he'd, he'd be surprised if, if Sam Pittman makes it all the way through. And Bobby Petrino is just sitting there waiting in the wings. Mm, that would shock everybody. Okay, on to other things. SEC race here, two weeks to go as far as weekends go. And, you know, South Carolina, you can't write these guys off. They're right in the hunt in third place after that win last night at Texas A&M. How about going on the road, holding things together, and getting a win there at the very end? Now they've set themselves up with these two home games, Florida and Tennessee. They really uh, they don't control their destiny entirely because of Alabama, but to some degree they can really um, help themselves get up as high as number two if nothing else happens to uh, Alabama the rest of the way. 
Isn't it fun to just talk about this in in late February, about to be March, and, and all the things you just described are in play for South Carolina? Um, that's really that. Even the Final Four year, none of this was really in play that season. Uh, the the kind of stakes we're talking about, uh, everything from an SEC championship to the seeding to a double buy in the SEC tournament, which I think is is extremely important, even if you fall short of. Uh, the SEC championship goal. Uh, none of these things have been in play since uh, Eddie Fogler's SEC championship team in '96, '97. I mean, that's how long you got to go back. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's really, uh, it, it's fun for me, especially, you know, doing the the Inside the Gamecock show and talking about this with people on a regular basis now. Which is on the Chief Sports fan, app. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, live every day, one to, one to 11 to 2. Flog you with wet noodles for not promoting that. Uh, that is my bad. Uh, Jamie, JC, I, pro- I apologize. That mm. was I could have done that better. Yes. Uh, but but to, to just kind of sense the excitement that a fan base that has felt – kind of apathetic about basketball for much of the last 20 years, if we're being honest. And, and all of a sudden, they're engaged. You know, people are asking about net rankings and quad one wins and what are what kind of seed are we looking at? I mean, these, these are questions that just haven't really been in existence for a long time. Mike, when you look at the way the league has played out, there's no question that South Carolina is the biggest positive surprise story in the SEC. On the flip side, what in the world is going on in Missouri? How in the world is a team that was picked toward the middle of the pack and has been playing pretty well up until this season under Dennis Gates falling flat on their face? And does he survive if they don't win a conference game this Hmm. year? Uh, yeah, and I just had them Saturday, uh, and it was a typical Missouri game at Florida. Florida's the hottest team in the SEC right now. Missouri mm-hmm. could have won that game. They're always in the game with five minutes to go, much like they were uh, the game I had against the Gamecocks, and they always just fall short of the mark. They just don't have the talent, quite honestly. Uh, not this year in this in this league. You know, Ten years ago, that team could have won seven games, eight games maybe. Uh, that's this is not your older brother's SEC. A little bit different level of competition. Uh, and no, Dennis Gates is, is not at all on the hot seat. I mean, he's only in his second year, and he took him to the tournament right. in their yep. first year. So yeah, he's uh, and he's got a top ten recruiting class coming in next year. So now this is just a they hope it's it's a one off. Um, I certainly think they'll be back. Now I don't know if they'll be tournament good next year. I don't know how all those freshmen will will blend, and as we've learned in the case this year, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, if you look at the way South Carolina's done it, you know what was that recruiting class ranked? Not very high, right? But the right additions in the portal, uh, combined with one very talented uh, recruit that was kind of under the radar for a while in Murray Boyles, and all of a sudden you got a really good roster. Uh, I, I think that's, that's kind of the unpredictability of the sport now. It used to be the Phil Cornblutes of the world will tell you where all the five-star recruits are going mm-hmm. and whet your appetite and get all excited about that. And it was all about who had the best 17-year-olds. Now it's all about who's got the grown men that are playing <laughs> better basketball. <laughs> yes. Well, well, since you just recently saw Florida, 
from a Gamecock perspective, what are they getting into Saturday? And is it, it as simple as what they did last night, keeping Florida off the offensive glass the way Carolina did last night with Texas A&M? Well, that's a big one. I mean, now nobody's been able to keep Florida off the offensive glass all year. Uh, they're the number two rebounding team in the conference. They're one of the top off- offensive rebounding teams in the country. So that's just what they do. They rotate four big guys. They're all bouncy. They're all athletic, and they're all a problem. Uh, that is going to be a huge part of the game. So you, you just hit on, uh, in my mind, the number one factor. It's okay if you if you lose the rebounding game by a couple, but if you lose it by ten, you're in trouble. So uh, shooting is always a big factor in in games such as those. I think the, the 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 game within the game, the matchup within the matchup, two of the best stories in the in the league are portal point guards for these two teams. I'm talking about Talon Cooper, and I'm talking about Zion Pullen. Pullen came from Cal Riverside. Uh, that juggernaut out west, and he actually is a, a young man who, by the time he was, uh, he tried the NBA waters, it didn't work, and then LSU was was hot on his tail, and he wound up choosing Florida. Their other guard is Walter Clayton. He played for Patino at Iona, and was a great football player coming out of high school. That everybody wanted to play football, but he got overlooked in basketball. That's their two. Those are their two best players, and of course, we know <clears throat> South Carolina. To me, their most important player remains Talon Cooper. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that matchup is uh, is certainly one to look forward to. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Mike, obviously, we've got a pretty big baseball series this weekend that captures the imagination of the state with Carolina and Clemson three game weekend series. You've been a part of USC and Clemson baseball before. But from a national perspective, colleagues that you talk to who cover college baseball, how do they look in on this series, and what do they think of it? Because we know how much we love it here in the, in the state. I think it's caught on to the to the national people, right? Like, I mean, there's just been too many good matchups. They know the crowds are there. Uh, you know, for a long, long time, this early in the season, the only thing that would get that level of attention would be a Florida, Florida State. Um, you know, you got to remember Ole Miss, Mississippi State. That's within conference play, so sure. we don't see that until later on in the year. So it, it's just tough to grab the spotlight. Uh, you know, first weekend of March when everybody's still talking basketball, the weather is choppy, and I understand one of the games is going to be linear, but uh, but for the most part, it's lost in the, on the television schedule as well. That's kind of changing now. Uh, I think even if people don't tune in because of all the other things going on, at least they know, yeah, that Carolina Clemson, that's that's the real deal. Final things with uh, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move on this Thursday night. So a lot of discussion now taking place about the format of the expanded, uh, newly expanded, will be expanded, college football playoff right now 12 teams going to go to 14 nobody's going to deny that now it's happening going to be going to to 14 my question to you is your good friend greg sankey who was in columbia uh, just the other day had a chance to uh, uh rub elbows with him him just a little bit so at the end of the day how many automatic qualifiers will he achieve for the sec are we looking at like six sec teams with automatic qualifiers or 
I say that tongue-in-cheek. But they are pushing for the SEC and Big Ten to have uh, the most automatic qualifiers and then kind of divvy it out to your so-called lesser leagues. I think they're kind of looking down their noses at the ACC and and, uh, the Big 12 and who else is out there. Um, Is this the way to go with this format to where the ACC, the Big 10, because they view themselves, maybe they are the big boys, they're going to get the most spots? That's not really fair, is it? (laughs) Fair? Who said anything about fair? That's where you go. No, no, no. I said have a pair. I said have a pair. Not fair. Oh, have a pair. No. Uh, that sounds like you at the singles bars back in the seventies. Um, I think that uh, I think overall, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you, you at the Regal Beagle over there in uh, PD, South Carolina? Yeah. Um, no, that would be no, that would be Sammy's in Birmingham. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think I think the fact of the matter is. And actually, I mean, some people, according to some uh, reports, Petiti is the one that that insisted upon going from 12 to 14 and, and insisted upon uh, more automatic bids in the process. And obviously, <laughs> if the Big Ten is going to get four, you know the SEC is going to get at least four automatic bids. I, I think it's clear that uh, what we, we've talked about before, the two most powerful people in the sport are the commissioners of the SEC and the Big Ten. So when they talk, everybody else not only listens, but very often they wind up uh, kind of acquiescing to those requests. So I, I don't know about uh, yeah, you mentioned six tongue in cheek, but I, I four could, could be very possible. I mean, if this thing goes to fourteen or sixteen, like so many people believe it will, I could certainly see a scenario where the two. Uh, not only most dominating conferences, but also just in pure volume. I mean, the Big Ten's going to have 18. The SEC's going to have 16. Most people believe those two conferences aren't completely done. And so it would kind of stand to figure that they would have the most automatic bids in the process. Well, there's another format being floated out there, reported on by Ross Dellinger now, that the champions of the SEC and the Big Ten would hold exclusive rights, as he puts it, on the two first-round buys. This is according to one version circulated to several college administrators. The version has not been finalized. It's only being socialized before more exploratory work on the format. Those with knowledge of the model told Yahoo Sports. Being socialized, now, does that mean moving to Russia? Or does that mean it's being like just talked about at bars and water coolers? First off, Ross Dellinger will be on J.C. and Morgan next week. Uh, it's America's favorite college football podcast. Get that plug in. Yep. Uh, I, I first off, Ross is an outstanding reporter. He kind of has come out of nowhere the last few years. I've never met him, mm-hmm. so I, I say this like this is not a buddy of mine. I just know that. He is really good, and when he says something, uh, especially when it comes to the SEC, he seems to be ahead of the pack very often, he and Pete Thamel. I, I would not be surprised if that's something they're going for. I mean, the, the number 14 kind of felt odd, didn't it? Like, we kept hearing 12, 12, 12, 12, and then some people said, well, we'll just wait till it's 16, and then all of a sudden it's like 14? Mm-hmm. What, what, I'm not sure if I get that. 
So obviously that would involve two buys, and the fact that you would want to protect the top two conferences with those buys, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard of. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard of at all. Yeah. In a 14-team model that officials are socializing with their leagues, the Big Ten, the SEC, would each receive three automatic qualifiers, with the ACC and Big 12 getting two each, the group of five's best team qualifying as well. Such a model would feature three at-large spots to the highest-ranked teams outside of the automatic qualifiers. The, the question is, how do you determine the AQs after the – I mean, is it like you have your conference champions as an AQ and then the next two finishers, I guess, the top three in each league would be the AQs? I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I think – uh, you know, you have the playoff committee uh, voting every week, right? That starts in in November, and we all just kind of roll our eyes, saying, "Well, what does this really matter?" Uh, for the last ten years, it's all it's always been, "Okay, wake me up when they decide who's number four. And the the biggest piece of controversy obviously came this year with the whole Florida State situation, but you could use those polls to determine who the top at-large teams are so uh, it, it you could do well and, and both to your question you could determine who the at-large teams are and who the three automatics are from from every team from every uh from the sec and the big the big 10 you just go on rankings you just go on that poll make that poll actually mean something because mm-hmm. we've made that a tv event every week now all of a sudden people start might start paying more attention to it all right last thing What's the possibility of you being on the call for ESPN International for the Liverpool Man U soccer event at williams Bryce? Sold out williams Bryce Stadium, may I add. Sold out yeah. williams Bryce Stadium on August the 3rd. They're bringing soccer to williams Bryce. Would you like to be on the call? Do you have a call for a goal? Do you have a way to describe a, a goal in soccer? I have uh, – do you remember the show The Simpsons? I never watched it. Oh, goodness. Uh, guys, help him out, please. Yes, yes. Um, we, we do know the show, Mike. <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil even probably knows the show. It's a cartoon, right? It's only been on for like 30 years. <laughs> but it's a cartoon. I, I, my cartoons are on Saturday. I don't watch cartoons during the week. Phil, Phil has taken a cat nap on pop culture for about a half century. <laughs> He was at that uh, bar, well, right, Mike, in Alabama? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sammy's. He's too busy. Sammy's. Too busy swinging at the Regal Beagle and Sammy's. Yeah, uh, that would explain a lot. Uh, no, I. Well, that you ruined my whole delivery. <laughs> I was going to give you a Simpsons play-by-play call, and now it's gone. The moment's lost. I got oh, no. nothing for you. I'm sorry. He's your sideshow, Bob. There, Mike. Mm. Yes, the Simpsons yes, reference. Yes, he there. is. Yeah. Mike, yes, exactly. we'll let you get on with what you're doing. Have a great night. Talk to you next week, my friend. Look forward to it, guys. Take Thank care. Thank you so much. All right, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. We're going to hit the break, and uh, we'll come back with more. Just a moment. Got recruiting coming up and a whole bunch more. Uh, Dabo Sweeney comments about things going on in college football and why he's not involved in the decision-making. That's right. Why is Dabo Sweeney, Shane Beamer, people like them not involved in what's going on? He expresses his thoughts on that. Yeah. 
We got a couple of other football things too coming up on Sports Talk, not to mention some recruiting. Back after this break, don't go away. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa Hostetler Brown. Helping an aging loved one arrange for their care can be one of the most difficult things you will ever do. Fortunately, you don't have to navigate this maze alone. Lawyer Lisa's knowledgeable life care team can lead you down the right path. Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. All right, thanks to uh, Mike Morgan for being with us here on Sports Talk. Much to come after the bottom of the hour break. Presbyterian beat St. Bonaventure. No Bob Lanier playing for St. Bonnie. 12 <laughs> to 6 in baseball today over in Clinton. It's got to be a big deal when like St. Bonaventure comes to Clinton to play uh, a baseball game. And I would think so. We got the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches down there at Palm Beach Gardens, the PGA stop. Andrew Novak uh, from Wofford, he's having himself a great start to the season. 65, he's 6-under. He's near the top of the leaderboard, which is Chad Ramey at 7-under 64 and S.H. Kim. Uh, Novak is a shot back with Ryan Moore. Also, Austin Eckroach is a shot back. Cameron Young, Chesney Hadley, I'm sorry, Chesson Hadley, shot back. David Skins, also a shot back. We got Roy McElroy at four under sixty-seven. Matt Neesmith four under sixty-seven. Lucas Glover three under sixty-eight. Carson Young three under sixty-eight. Uh, ben Martin at one under seventy. Be back after the break.
right, some other things uh, going on of importance to you and to us as we follow things around the state and around the country. Caitlin Clark announced today she's headed to the WNBA, will not be back for another season at Iowa. Going to leave as the all-time leading scorer for the women and also going to have more points than anybody else ever has ever had in college basketball. Well, NCAA basketball. She's got a long way to go before she catches Pearl Moore. That's a good point. Start over here at Francis Marion over 4,000 points. Yeah. And I'll give Caitlin Clark some credit because she is obviously one of the first athletes that we have seen in college athletics who is not going to the pros for the money. Because if some of the uh, NIL stuff I saw out of her from today, she's making nearly a million dollars in mm. name, image, and likeness money at Iowa. Her rookie contract, I think, with the WNBA would pay her around 85000 mm. So, yeah, she's not leaving for the money, that's for sure. Uh, Dale Hunt Jr. is leaving NBC and heading to Racing Newcomers Amazon Prime Video and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports, according to sources telling The Athletic, which is kind of good because when he's on with Jeff Burton, I can never tell which one is talking. They sound <laughs> but I tell so you, similar. i got to give NBC, and I'm disappointed in this because I enjoyed Dale Jr. And the one concern I had when he decided he was going to do television is I thought NBC would try and make him cookie cutter. They'd try and, you know, get him out of his southern accent. They would have him, you know, try and be a little more conformative, uh, a typical broadcaster, and he, they have not done any of that. They've let him be himself. And I think, as you pointed out with Burton, I think they've been great together because they've been allowed to be themselves. And I just I think that's going to hurt the NBC broadcast without Dale Jr. there. Mm-hmm. ACC basketball today. They announced the opponents, the league opponents, for next season for their respective teams – and for Clemson, it looks like this. They're home and away opponents next season. Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech, home and away. And then home against Cal, Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Stanford, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. And on the road, Boston College, Louisville, Miami, NC State, Pitt, SMU, and Virginia. So the Tigers avoid a West Coast swing there. Next year with and Cal also get and, North Carolina and Duke at home. Mm-hmm, yeah, and no return Very trips. Schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, Clemson. Dabo Sweeney met with us yesterday. We played, of course, his comments about getting to spring practice, and also comments about personnel, his team, and injuries. Uh, during the uh, question and answer session, he was asked about the changes that have been going on in college athletics here since the end of last season been a lot of changes and things happening with college football and he was asked his response to what he has been witnessing sitting back and watching all this develop around him honestly we're one of the few professions where i think the experts in the profession don't have any say i i, I don't know if that makes sense you know uh like like um if, if we get a toothache you know you go to the dentist right and you open your mouth and if you Says, dang, you got a root canal and you need it right now. Well, what are you gonna do, Corn Blue? You just drill. you, you go, a drill, baby. All right, like you just like what? Fix it, right? You don't know, right? Drill. You know this is what they do, and you know we're the patient walking in. Like, okay, if you if you go see the doctor and then all of a sudden he goes, man, golly, you, man, you got we got to put a stent in you right now. 
like you just kind of trust the experts and what they do. And, and it's a really interesting phenomenon. I mean, honestly, because I mean, I've been in college football since 1988. I mean, I've been, I've done it all. I've walked on, I've been a scholarship player. I've been a coach, GA, a coach. I've been a head coach. I, I've been with 18 to 23 year olds for 30 years. I've been one, I've raised three of them and I've lived with them for 30 years. I've been doing life with this age group. I've got a lot of knowledge you know, I got a Ph.D. in 18 to 23-year-olds. I do. But I got no say. You know, and, and we really don't. Coaches really have no – we have very little input. I mean, we get to talk a lot. And we get to these – that's why I hate going to these meetings. I said this at the AFCA this year. I said, I don't even know why I come. I'm here because none of y'all going to talk bad about me. But hardly anybody goes. I think there was one SEC coach there, maybe two Big Ten. And hardly anybody there. I don't know, 133 Division One coaches, and we probably had 50 coaches. And I, I said that. I said, this is sad. But in their defense, they, they know it's a waste of time. Because we sit in there and we, we moan and groan, and we solve all the problems, but we have no authority. You know, it's a very – and it's not that people have bad intentions. They really don't. I mean, the people that are making – all these decisions and creating laws, they don't have bad intentions. They're just not equipped to understand the consequences of decisions they make. They're just not. And so to answer your question, yes, five years ago, we sat in as coaches and, and not just the ACC, but the leagues. And we talk as coaches and we go, man, this is a problem. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to have tampering. We're gonna have a, and, it, and it's like, this plays out like just, it's the way you wrote it, but you know, all you can do is just voice your opinion. We don't, we don't have any, we really don't. I mean, uh, so you get criticized a lot for um, speaking what you think is your truth and speaking what you think is, is um, you know, I mean, it's what you've been equipped. It's what you've learned. You know, I've spent my lifetime, you know, a part of this game and, and learning and, and watching. And, and um, so... You know, just it just kind of is what it is. You know, it's like we can all right now. I mean, all the adults can say, "Man, this thing, this train's fixing to just run off that bridge, and it's going to crash, and we don't do anything about it." And kind of like that movie with the fugitive, right? When when it's going to go off, and then now we got to go figure it out, right? All right, now what happened? How do we fix it? All right, who's the one-armed guy? All right, how do we fix it, right? And eventually it'll get there so again maybe that's an answer to your question too uh sometimes bad things have to happen before things get better and um unfortunately that's probably where we are in college football right now what i wanted to get to was you know you're on record as saying if you pay them like employees i'm I'm out of here i'll go find something else to do yeah i've always said i'm against the professionalization of college athletics well we'll see i think i think the worst thing the best thing for coaches in the kind of the world we're in right now is for them to be employees the worst thing is for them to be employees uh that that that's not a world that we want for 18 year olds i think we we've lost our way and we need to we we have to i don't care what i'm all for the nil i think nil is awesome uh, I really am. I'm all for enhancing the scholarship however we want, but I also understand the reality that 98% of these kids aren't going to play in the NFL. We need to educate our young people in this society. Nobody talks about the value of an education anymore. It's 125 to $145,000 a year for every kid that comes to Clemson, every single year. 
football player. And that's thirty to forty-five thousand dollars in cash in hand, and everything that goes in, in in between it. And that's not even counting the NIL. So we've created great opportunity, and we should create more. I just want to see us incentivize education. I want to see us. I, I mean, there's so many things we could do. We could create four hundred one ks. You know, like the real world, right? If you take your money out early, there's a penalty. You know, but these are eighteen-year-old kids leaving home for the first time in their life, and you know, we are. We're, we're, we're sometimes setting them up for failure. And uh, so, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, hopefully at some point we'll, we'll find a, a, a better place where we're not just firing 18, 19-year-old kids because they, uh, you know, aren't quite as fast as we thought they would be, you know, uh, or they're a little homesick or whatever. Uh, so, you know, it's just there's a, there's a lot uh, that will that'll come down the pipe, down the road, and, and – uh, you know, but I love what I do. I, I love the challenge of it. I love the I love the challenge of of putting team together, and um, and just you know focusing on my guys, focusing on helping fulfill the purpose of this program, and really the purpose of my life. Uh, you know, which is to glorify God, to be a great husband and father, and to use this platform of education and football to build great men. That's my purpose. That's what I. That's what I do. That's what I wake up and do. That's what drives me. Now the rest of it drives me. That's what's always driven me, and uh, none of that has changed. And I think there's a lot of uh, great things that will uh, eventually come about, you know. But uh, there'll probably be some some bad things happen along the way that we'll all learn from, and and somewhere along the line, somebody will say, you know what, we gotta we gotta be a little smarter in this area. All right, Dabo Sweeney, your thoughts, Chris Bergen. Well, first off, that was an amazing comment and back and forth exchange between you and Coach Sweeney. And I was glad you, because nobody's asked him about that to clarify, follow up about his comments about if we start paying the athletes, I'm quitting. I'll find something else to do because there's too much entitlement. I mm-hmm. thought he handled that question well. And if there is ever an NCAA board or whatever we ultimately get to in charge of football, Dabo needs to be the commissioner of that. Because that five-minute soundbite right there, that exchange he had with you alone, is outstanding stuff. And see, Finn even enjoyed it. Yeah, Finn. I mean, everybody at the, Finn's everybody at, the, in. Yeah. everybody at the NCAA level could benefit, I think, from what Dabo had to say. And I loved his comment about people who are making decisions aren't qualified to understand the ramifications of their decisions. Mm. Absolutely. I thought it was fascinating. Well, and what I he's pointing out is, is that the people making decisions don't know enough and don't think deeply enough to, to prepare for what could happen, you know, as he pointed out with the transfer portal when nobody thought about what about the tampering that's going to happen, not just with the coaches, but beneath the coaches, with fans, with high school coaches, with uncles, relatives, you know, everybody getting involved in that process. That's one of the offshoots of that. Then, of course, the NIL, you know, they didn't think about the – fact that it was going to become you know wildly popular from a recruiting standpoint not only trying to recruit high school kids but recruit portal kids and retain your own guys it became a big sure. bargaining chip you know so they didn't think that clearly through and they need experts like uh sweeney and beamer and saban and guys who've been through the wars and been in the bushes mm-hmm. for this for 10 20 30 40 years to provide some insight and some guidance and some ideas 
just add it to the countless failures of bureaucrats across our country. Sorry, I don't mean to make anything political, but we see it in government every day, and now we're seeing it infect our sports and so many other industries as well. It's just to, to echo you guys' point, we need to have actual experts in the field making these decisions or at least being able to weigh in as opposed to a bunch of guys looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. Well, and I'll take it political for a moment, Pat, and then we can get off to recruiting. But my father has long said the one thing the United States government misses is a cabinet of former presidents. We, we throw these guys into the most important position, the job of the world, and expect them to be able to handle it right as they walk in day one. There, no, nobody's going to tell them, well, this is what I did. This is how I handled cabinet meetings. This is how, how I handled dealing with the Soviets or Russians or the Chinese. You know, they're, they're just thrown in there, and they're supposed to know how to do this. Same thing here. You've got experts on the front lines day in and day out. And uh, according to Coach Sweeney, it doesn't sound like they take any uh, notions or any credence or anything from the coaches in making these decisions. I think it's ridiculous. There should be a cabinet of coaches, whether they're current or former, that could give them some ideas that actually might work in the NCAA on the field as opposed to on paper. Well, you know, every decision that's made now is based on money. Everything mm-hmm. when it comes True. to college athletics and um, somewhere along the way, money becomes a problem. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, people are saying, they've often said since all this has happened, it's ruining college sports. Is it going to ruin college sports? I, I don't think we've had a long enough run with all the new stuff to know yet. It's so new. Things are still kind of operating on autopilot, you know, the way it's always been in, in terms of putting your teams together, playing your games, fans coming out, et cetera. And they're coming out still in big numbers, and they're watching on television in big numbers. Mm-hmm. And the money continues to grow, and the and the players are getting paid, and the coaches are getting paid, and the players are free to move, and the coaches are free to move. Who's being hurt? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I don't – I can't say that it's being ruined at this point in time. It may be ruined at some point down the road somehow – but right now, I can't see it being ruined. Fans' perception, perhaps? Maybe that's the biggest casualty. Well, I think some older fans are turned off, but by the older I, fans I who are turned yeah. off, the mm-hmm. younger fans who are turned on are filling that void. You know, They're mm-hmm. stepping right up and right. spending their money and going to the games. They might be leaving at halftime or being drunk by the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. but they're there, and they're watching on television, and they're watching it on streams, and they're buying the – EA Sports games, et cetera, et cetera, and they're giving their money to NIL uh, collectives. So they're doing it. They're playing the game. So I love quotes. I like entering things. I won't go biblical here, but another one by uh, famous, famous poet Alexander Pope. Of all the causes which conspire to blind man's erring judgment and misguide the mind, what the weak head with strongest bias rules is pride, the never-failing vice of fools. And I think that plays a role into what you said, Chris, where – you don't have presidents asking former presidents for help. You don't have members of this committee asking coaches for help because they don't want to. They don't want to admit that they don't know what the heck they're doing. They exactly. don't want to ask the help and, of others. It's all about pride. And that just came right off the top of your head. Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks. Did you learn that at <laughs> Ole Miss or Clemson or 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 Heathwood? Heathwood. 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 They made me do a lot more reading at Heathwood <laughs> than they ever did in college. Pat would be one of those guys on Monday Night Football when he gets introduced to uh, starting lineups. Uh, Heathwood Hall. Heathwood Hall. That's right. <laughs> starting wide receiver, Pat Daniel. I'm the, I'm the son of an AP English teacher, and she just beat that into my head, not literally, but metaphorically, beat that into my head from a young age. Metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, There's there another go. big word. Stop using 50 cents word. Too many Pat. syllables. Too many syllables. To recruiting. See, recruiting is only a two-syllable word. Of course, to a lot of people, it's just one word, recruiting. It's one word, one syllable. I mean, one syllable, recruiting. 
recruiting report tonight brought to you by Seawells. Oh, I went to Seawells today. Finally got back over there. I missed it so. Boy, the menu today was fabulous. We had barbecue. We had hamburgers. Uh, there were other things I just passed on because I filled up my plate. You didn't want that congaree flounder they had today? Was that flounder mm-hmm. over there? Oh, yeah. Man, that was great. It was great. A uh, lot of vegetables. The salad was terrific. Desserts. Had a little strawberry shortcake. Uh, saw the Seawells guys. They're doing great. Uh, had a big old glass of tea. Had a big old table to myself with a buddy. So, yeah. Uh, get out to Seawells. Fourteen fifty. Gone up 50 cents on the price. It's okay. It's not going to break uh, your budget. And uh, tomorrow is a Roast Beef Friday, RBF. That's right. Roast Beef Friday. Shout out, Andy, along with Southern Fried Chicken and then Shrimp Alfredo, which comes from where, Phil? The Congaree. There you go. Caught fresh, just right down the street, brought right Actually, over. Actually, no, no, <laughs> big old nets. I'm wrong. <laughs> big old nets. Trolling, I'm wrong. Trolling through the congaree. <laughs> the the salmon and the flounder swimming upstream. They come from the congaree. The shrimp comes from the broad. Ah, there yeah. you go. Comes uh-huh. from the broad. There they're, you go. They're around there the bridge, go. and uh, they they cluster there around the bridge. You can see the guys, the shrimpers, throwing their nets in. Delicious. Right there. <laughs> in fact, I thought I saw uh, what's that guy? The 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 product. Uh, that you can get the frozen fish in the grocery store. Who's that name Bubba after? Gu- Forrest Gump? Oh, Bubba Gump? No, 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 no. Um, been around forever. Uh, Captain, um, help me out here. Captain. Uh, Captain that Hook. comes to mind. It's Captain D's. Well, there's Captain, Captain D's. But no, there, there, there's, a, there's a frozen fish product named after a captain that, you know, your mother used to always buy when they wanted to have fish, you know. Buy it at the Piggly Wiggly. Look that up, and uh, we'll talk about it in a second. Hmm. Uh, roast beef Friday <laughs> tomorrow. And for catering, make sure you call Seawells at 803-771-7385, uh, com. They had the commercials. He was like from Alaska, from the north. He was always dressed like he was being rained on, got the rain gear on. Um, Gordon's? Yeah. Oh, ah, Gordon's, yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. Of Gloucester. Gloucester, yeah, 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 there you go, there you go. Good stuff if you didn't burn it. All right, um, one of uh, the top 2025 offensive line prospects uh, that Clemson's going after who took home MVP honors at the Combine in Orlando recently, Zaire Addison, 6'5", 270, Riverview, Florida. Uh, Clemson heavily after him, and he is going to come back for a couple of visits uh, to Clemson. Uh, he said when he went to the combine, he just went down there to dominate. And he did. He dominated. He played multiple positions. That's what people like about him. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He can play center. And he dominated down there. Got the MVP awards. And uh, Clemson is heavily on him. Offensive line coach Matt Luke offered him. has been in constant uh, contact with him ever since. He said that... Uh, Addison said of Luke that nobody else in the country can develop players like he can. So he likes the way he breaks down tape. He likes the way that he assesses uh, what he can do and what he can do for him. He has plans to visit Clemson March 11th and then an official visit the first weekend in June. He also was at Clemson for the Florida State game last season. And he has also scheduled spring visits to Alabama March 8th, Georgia Tech 9, Florida 12. And uh, also back to Florida for their spring game, April 13th, and also Oregon on April 24th. He also plans to visit 
Florida State, and Penn State. Sumter defensive end Anthony Addison was offered by Georgia Tech. Former USC signee defensive back Cameron Upshaw was offered by Arizona State. That was one of the, the guys dismissed by South Carolina January a year ago from that gun situation. USC women offered 2025 six-foot Divine Barrage of Davenport, Iowa, one of the uh, top-rated uh, girls players in the country in the 2025 class. There you go. That's recruiting. Brought to you by Seawells. I want to go back to that for a second, Chris, since you weren't with us last night, and you might not have been with us when we talked about it before, going back to the situation with the Clemson players, comparing it to that situation with the yes. South Carolina players. And I, mm-hmm. I've just, again, I've thrown the question out there, why the difference? You know, when you have a gun situation like Capehart had at Clemson and these three guys had at South Carolina, they're both felonies. And then Capehart also had the traffic citation, uh, but that's a that's a relatively minor, minor thing with him. Noble Johnson had the more serious traffic situation with an accident that hurt him and has knocked him out of spring practice, but that, too, is just a misdemeanor, and neither player was suspended by Clemson. Dabo Sweeney addressed it yesterday and said, you know, when something like that happens, university policy takes over. He doesn't have to do anything. University policy takes over, and they follow that policy. So they must have a policy at Clemson that um, you don't get suspended for misdemeanors actions, even though a gun possession, whether it's yours or not, would be a felony under the eyes of the law. While at South Carolina, now those three guys were dismissed from the team and dismissed from the school, not to be uh, returned, and it was a felony situation. But all three got you know caught up in it for their whatever parts they happen to be playing, and um, I'm just again trying to draw the conclusion here of, of why the difference in the approaches by the two programs, by the two schools, by the two universities. Well, like I said uh, the other night when we were chatting about it, the only thing I can see that it's different between the two is the fact that the uh, Carolina guys had the gun in the dorm room as opposed to in car, perhaps in a trunk, I'm not sure. But aside from that, I, yeah, I don't see a whole lot of a distinction one way or the other. It's on campus is on campus, but maybe USC views it inside uh, residential housing as considerably more egregious than maybe just in your car. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean – I mentioned this last night. Was it Lou Holtz? I think it was Steve Spurrier who came in and had them redo their drug policy. Remember that? Because at at South Carolina, I think their drug policy was they were so stringent with it. And maybe Mm -hmm. that was the result of the the controversy with the steroids steroids, back in the 80s. And they put in this very stringent policy, like one strike and you were out. Uh, One marijuana arrest and you were done. And I think... Spurrier had them come in and change that to where you at least got a second chance and maybe even a third chance, depending on what happened. His point was, we're losing too many good football players because of this, <laughs> and you want to win in the SEC, and you've got these these sort of policies. I mean, you got to have football friendly policies, and that's my. I think Clemson has football friendly policies. I'm not so sure South Carolina has football friendly policies when it comes to this. And I think other schools around the SEC have more football-friendly policies. Well, clearly Georgia does. Hmm. We know that for sure. 10-4. Tennessee. Florida. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 
you talk to coaches who've been around and witnessed things from the inside and the outside, and they'll tell you, you know, South Carolina, it's about commitment. It's about commitment. And some places have, like, they're totally all in on their football program winning championships and whatever they can they have to do within what they can control they do it to make sure that football team gets everything and every break it needs to win a championship not so sure south carolina's been that way over all these years so just a thought it might be an extreme example but i think back to that documentary swamp kings about the urban meyer years at florida and just the obscene and now i'll equate that more to maybe to modern day georgia mm. and maybe that's even not yeah. fair but that team sure was good, but they sure were dirty. How many natties did they win? Two. There you go. All right. We'll be at the stadium tomorrow if there's baseball. Otherwise, back here in the studios. Thank you, Chris. Yes, and sir. Thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody.